Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is the word of the Lord. Uh, So today's message, I titled it Joy and Partnership for the Gospel. So it's quite appropriate uh, that I'm preaching on this. Um, I didn't choose it really purposefully. Um, But today's my last sermon at Good News Church. Uh, We made an announcement announcement a few weeks ago that I will be leaving Good News uh, in the middle of March. So I'm not quite done with all my duties at Good News. The retreat will be my last final duty uh, as a pastoral intern or even just as a member of Good News Church. Um, But it's appropriate because um, even though I've been part of Good News since the beginning, which is about 15 years ago, I've been away uh, for about the last six years, whether it's uh, being away for YWAM in Hawaii or being away in China for three years and then being at Gordon-Conwell Seminary uh, for two and a half. And so... Uh, a little less than half the time (laughs) I was away. But in all that time, good news was still in partnership with me. And so it's brought a a lot of comfort, a lot of uh, strength. Um, And it was one of those things that really kept me steadfast as I was away. Um, It was always a place where I can call home Uh, There's a lot of people, you know, who, uh, when they leave their church to go on a mission abroad, there's a chance that they lose that relationship, Um, especially when there's a transition. Um, But thankfully, before I left, you know, Pastor John was stepping down soon, and Pastor Sam had already come in, and so that transition was already there. And so my relationship with Good News remained, and so that's, you know, it's a, a huge blessing that I was able to experience over the last six years. Um, So as I preach this, and my final encouragement uh, for the Good News Church is to to never neglect uh, partnership in Christ. Uh, Whether it's within the church or with the neighboring churches or with other uh, organizations that are furthering the gospel um, and the work that they do to never neglect that partnership Uh, because as we will find out uh, that partnership it furthers the gospel not by our own power but by the power of the spirit so the Philippian church uh, Paul has a very special place in his heart for the Philippian church. It was, uh, it's a church in Macedonia where Paul reached after he had a vision of a Macedonian man uh, seeking help. And so Paul, uh, being denied to go to Asia Minor by the Holy Spirit, is led to Macedonia. And this is where he comes to Philippi. And he meets uh, different types of people. A purple, uh, a seller of purple goods, uh, 
he runs into a, an oracle, kind of, uh, a young girl who can tell the, for, uh, tell the future. But then by casting that spirit out, he ends up in jail. Um, but in the jail, he has a miraculous encounter with the jailer through an earthquake. And there he's able to preach the gospel and baptize the whole family. So Philippi has a, a special place in Paul's heart. And they continued uh, their relationship with Paul. They continued their partnership with Paul throughout all of his ministry. And by the time Paul writes this letter, uh, it's after three years of ministry. He is at the end of his term, uh, not voluntarily, kind of forcefully, because he's in Rome in, under house arrest. So he's writing this letter in Rome under house arrest, and he's writing to the, Philippi- the Philippians. He's saying, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, and I make my prayer with joy. And so we can ask ourselves, how is it that Paul can pray with joy? And how can he thank God at a time like this? I remember when I was in China, there was a, a very long period when I was in a very low moment. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if I can ever say I was joyful because it was difficult uh, because that, I felt there was no one besides me. Uh, and so there's something special going on with Paul. Now, Philippi, uh, Philippi is not the only church that Paul plants. He planted a church in Corinthian, uh, as well as Galatia and Ephesus and all of this. Um, but when we compare the church in Philippi with the churches in Corinth and Galatia, uh, it's, it's different. The church in Corinth, uh, as much as it was full of people with spiritual gifts, it, was a, it must have been a huge heartache for Paul um, because he was, he was told of some atrocious things that were going on Um, at the church of Corinth. Things that even pagans wouldn't do. And so he rebukes them. He also had to rebuke them for misusing the spiritual gifts that God gave them. And he writes very harshly about them uh, that he couldn't even dress them as spiritual but worldly and mere infants in Christ. And when we look in uh, the letter to Galatia, it's also very shocking because Paul makes his usual greetings, but he goes straight into, uh, attack is a very strong word, but almost a verbal attack because they're abandoning the gospel that Paul has given them, that Paul has preached to them. And even though he planted the church, he's having to win them over again by declaring what the gospel is, that it is not by the flesh, but by the work of the Spirit alone. So the Philippians, they're not spiritually or intellectually gifted. They're not really much to consider. Uh, and, but what they lack in earthly standards, 
They excel in godly ones, compassion, obedience, fortitude against false teachers, resilience against persecution, devotion, and desire to further the gospel. And so all this is reflected in their, you can say, gratuitous generosity towards Paul. You see, the the Philippians stuck by him all throughout his ministry. In chapter 4, I believe, of Philippians, Paul says, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessaloniki, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So you see, among all the churches, Paul makes a distinction. He distinguishes the church in Philippi for their amazing work. And we get a better glimpse when, uh, in 2 Corinthians when Paul boasts about the Philippians. And he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So, it was not out of obligation that the Philippians contributed, that they gave. It was their privilege. They considered their privilege to serve God and to serve Paul. It's, it's a paradox that to say that their joy and their extreme poverty would bring forth generosity. But it's all because they give themselves first to the Lord that they were able to give to Paul. So we can say that Paul was joyful when he remembered Philippians. He was thankful when he remembered Philippians because he, he is literally able to see the fruit of the seed that he sowed in Philippi. Let's just imagine a lot of us are parents here. I myself am not yet, maybe soon. But I'm sure for many of you, as you see your child grow, it would be a huge joy to you to see the way they grow. To see that they grow as godly people, God-fearing people, Children who pray, children who sing the praises of God, children who are hospitable, children who are compassionate and generous. This would be a huge blessing for all of us to see. And as such, Paul considers Philippi, his children, a church where truly he sees the fruit of God. But it's not just the fact that the Philippians supported Paul financially, but it's that they were with him in the furthering of the gospel from the first day until now, it says. 
So what does the first day mean except the first day the Philippians came to Christ? Unlike the churches in Corinth and uh, Galatia and Ephesus, Paul had to contend with those churches. He had to he had to write them multiple times and to win them over again to the gospel. He had to reassure them of the of the promises of the gospel. But here in Philippi, he sees something amazing. That truly the spirit of God is working in them. There's nothing that is slowing them down nor tripping them up. And one of the things in Philippi is that they are also going through persecution, just like Paul. One of the things that I, to give a, an illustration, um, I appreciate and admire the way that the New England Patriots run their organization. It's a football team, if you don't know. They have something called the Patriot Way. Uh, nobody really knows what it is. But what it is is they're able to take players, uh, whether they're cast, a, cast aside by other teams or neglected, they're able to take these players and have them buy in fully to the Patriot Way. They're able to bring these players in and share the vision and the mission of the team, which is to win the Super Bowl, right? That's the goal of every football team. And yet, the Patriots are, in my opinion, able to do it much better than any other team. Yes, you can argue with me, that's fine. And because they have a single-minded vision for their goal, they're able to play in positions where they normally wouldn't. Some might even take a pay cut. And all they do is just do their best and their motto of just doing their job, right? The same can be said of Paul and the Philippians. The Philippians bought into the gospel and they came fully on board with Paul's missionary efforts. In the ancient Roman times, their culture respected and honored status probably more than anything else. A person could have wealth, but if they didn't come from a prestigious background or if they didn't hold a, a high status, it didn't really mean anything. It didn't have any authority. Now, Paul, he's the persecutor of Christ's followers, turned a Jewish traitor and a heretic, and yet he's a teacher and a mentor and an example of the Christian movement. And then even after that, he's beaten publicly, humiliated, thrown in jail, This deters a lot of the other churches, but it doesn't for the Philippians. It doesn't diminish his, his credibility. They don't wait to see whether Paul's a winner or a loser. 
They don't wait to see what they can gain out of Paul. They are fully bought into not Paul, but the gospel. So how amazing must Paul feel when he's writing this letter? You can just imagine a huge smile that just comes across his face because of all these things that he, that is brought to remembrance. That when, all, when everybody else would have abandoned him or dropped him like yesterday's news, the Philippians embrace him. They embrace him all the more. So how encouraging to receive unconditional love from broken people. And so we see that the, Paul, the seed that Paul planted, God has matured and produced a harvest. And it is this fact that brings joy to Paul. And we move into the second part. Paul's joy is sustained in his confidence in God. You know, any other person would see... Uh, if I was a missionary and I planted a church and I see this church flourishing, it'd be very easy for me to take all the credit and say, you know, I did that. You know, I gave them the word, I preached, I discipled. Now look, what an amazing church. But Paul doesn't do that. The first thing he says in the letter is, I thank my God. His thought alone, and even later in Philippians, when he receives the gift from Philippi, he doesn't say this is for your benefit, but this is a fragrant offering that is worthy of God. Paul isn't confident in their good work alone, but he's confident only in the one who began the good work. And so Paul attributes their display of love for God and for him to the transforming work of God's saving grace. They couldn't have done what they have done from the beginning until now on their own. It's by the work of Christ and all who believe in him enter into a new life, reborn, from their previous life. And so Paul makes sure that they understand that until Christ returns again, that the work of salvation displayed in our own good works of faith is refined, pruned, and multiplied for the sake of the kingdom. And so that work is a continuing work. It didn't end when we received Christ. It began when we received Christ and it will continue on until Christ returns. And so we have an example from Paul's letter to examine which type of church do we reflect? Do we reflect the Corinthians displaying our spiritual prowess, our spiritual powers? Do we reflect Galatians intellectual, uh, philosophical, in with the cultural trends? Or do we reflect the Philippians, 
partnering in the work that Christ set out to do that's passed on to us. That's the work of mission, evangelism, hospitality, and compassion. As Christ's people, do we relax and take in our salvation and just sit on the sideline? Or are we charged to God's, to godly compassion and obedience and resilience? If we sit on the sidelines, I guarantee our work will remain at best status quo. Our faith, it will wane. Doubt will creep into our hearts. Our eyes and hands will gravitate toward the next hot and new thing. It's just as possible to abandon our Christ and our first love because we don't experience, we're not engaged in the bearing of our cross. But when we partner in the gospel together, we take on the yoke of Christ together. We experience and we suffer together. Our faith will grow and it will strengthen because we'll come to know that we need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit more than anything else. Our love for God and others will deepen. Our disposition will focus outward than inward. We'll want to consider ourselves less and others more. We'll actually move the gospel forward. Our partnership, it propels us forward. The love, Paul was motivated by the love of God to preach the gospel. But it was his earthly relationship and partnership that inspired him. And that's the mystery of God's relationship. On a personal note, uh, when we go through traumatic and devastating events, how blessed do we feel when the church comes together to pray for us, to visit us, to call us, to check up on us? And imagine how much more it's, how much more blessed we feel when we have nothing else to offer but our genuine friendship and the love for the gospel. And so the question that I can ask us is, where do we find our joy? How lasting is it? And does it produce thankfulness? Paul's thankfulness comes from experiencing that joy. And so it's the same with me. I'm also thankful for the many years of partnership that I had with Good News. And Good News also supports Danny and Sarah who are currently in the U.S. And as the deacons know, they're actually in an effort to raise some finances uh, to send 40,000 face masks 
to China. And so what an amazing opportunity for us to continue partnering, to show our generosity, to show that the love of God propels us to give. So my encouragement to good news, for the sake of the gospel, to continue to partner with those around us so that we can see the gospel furthered. And that I hope that we can all experience joy together in such a way. Let us all pray.